preach this morning called Take a Seat. You've already taken your seat, haven't you? Take a seat. I want to talk about Peter's transformation. Last week we preached from uh, Acts chapter 2, the first part of that when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers there in the upper room and how it just spread everywhere and what a great mighty work that the Lord started on that day and that he continues to do even now. I want it to continue on in that passage this morning and I want it to get into Peter's sermon that day. What a powerful sermon that he preached. I began to think about Peter and how he had just really not long before, maybe a month or more before, had denied the Lord so awfully, so viciously, so heart-wrenchingly. He had denied the Lord three times. And then we see him in Acts chapter 2 and we see him standing and preaching this powerful sermon and 3,000 people that day gave their hearts to the Lord and the gospel spread back to all the different parts of the known world because of the people who were there. And I thought, what a powerful transformation and how could a man go from maybe five or six weeks before to now and do this mighty work for God, the transformation of Peter. And I wanted to get into that sermon, but the more that uh, really early in the week, really Monday, I could not get away from the beginning of Peter's transformation. Oh, he was transformed on the day of Pentecost when he received the Holy Spirit upon him and in him. But his transformation started before that when Jesus came and found him on the seashore. And I want to preach about that this morning. I could not get away from this as, as I say, take a seat. And maybe a subtitle is, is Peter's transformation. But I'm here to tell us this morning that Jesus Christ can transform any heart and any life. No one is too mean. No one has done anything that is unforgivable. No one has gone too far. Jesus Christ specializes in salvation and he specializes in transforming a heart and a life and what a beautiful beautiful thing it is today we see Christ sitting down with Peter over a fire I like this part too and they had breakfast they ate together they fellowshiped together Jesus showed up on the scene have you ever had anybody show up unannounced you ever been at your house and the doorbell ring or you hear a knock at the door maybe the dog is out and maybe the living room is a mess maybe your children I was going to use Emily's name right there and she's conveniently out of the room right now Jordan tell her what I said maybe maybe your daughter has hurricane Emily has come through <laughs> the kitchen I don't know but they've arrived unannounced, and you're scrambling of what to do, right? Are you going to go to the door? Are you going to pull the shades and try to pretend nobody is home? Are you going to go to the door and try to step out on the porch and say, well, let's talk out here. It's nice and sunny today. <laughs> Has anybody ever shown up unannounced? This morning, I see a beautiful story where Jesus showed up unannounced I'll tell you he'll show up in our lives and he will show up many times when we think he won't show up 
He'll show up sometimes when we don't deserve him to show up. He'll show up sometimes when our lives seem to be a teetotal wreck and we think we're the furthest away from him. Yet I find that the Lord is always pursuing us and he will show up. And today I see a man, Peter, who had gone back. The King James, I think, said it kind of like this. I'm going to go a-fishing. I think he was a good country boy. I'm going to go a-fishing. Peter had denied the Lord and he went to go fishing. He went back to what he had done before. He went back to his old job, his old ways. He had been a fisherman. Nothing wrong with being a fisherman, but the Lord had called him to be a disciple. You see, you can't be a fisherman if the Lord's called you to leave being a fisherman and being a disciple. And Peter had gone back to his old life. He had blown it. He went back. Let's read about it this morning. John chapter 21. Can we, can we go to the first verse and read through? I didn't tell them ahead of time that I was going to do this, but they're really good back there. John 21. Let's just read down this passage a little bit this morning and see this story and lay the, the context today of the Lord showing up unannounced. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. See, Peter went back fishing, back to his old life. And as soon as he said that he was going back, several other people, they said, we're going to go with you. You say my life doesn't influence anybody. Our lives do influence people. And Peter was going back. Instead of saying, I'm going to get things right with the Lord and I'm going to be a disciple like I'm called to be, he said, I'm going back fishing. And all of these other people said, we're going to go with you. And the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. So therefore, John said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment because he had removed it. He had taken it off, and then he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. And then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. Three fish. I, I, I like to say here that this was the greatest fishing story that was never told. Because I just noticed this week how many fish those boys caught. But we don't focus on that. We focus on everything that Jesus did. But it was the greatest fishing story that was never told. 153 fish. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. 
Jesus said to them, the old song says this, come and dine. Jesus said, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread, the bread. Hang on to that word, the bread. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love him. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. We see a beautiful story of transformation. A beautiful story of restoration. A beautiful story of taking a seat and hearing what Christ had to say to Peter. And he had a beautiful message for Peter. My first point is this, finding the Lord. Is it really finding the Lord or is it the Lord finding us? Sometimes as a Christian, we like to say, I like to say, I found the Lord. I'm so glad I found the Lord. And yes, I do as an individual, I and only I can accept the gift of salvation and receive the Lord into my life. So I know why we say that. But you know what? When you back up the train a little bit, he was looking for us all along. He was pursuing us. He was finding us. I see a man, Peter, who had denied the Lord three times. A man, Peter, who had been in the innermost circle with Christ. Not just the 12 disciples. He was in the top three. He was with them when Jesus would pull just three of them out. Peter was in the very inner of the inner circle, yet Peter had denied the Lord three times. He had failed him greatly, and now he had gone back to his old life and his own way of living, and I guess he just thought it was all over, but for some reason, in his grace and mercy, Jesus found Peter and came to the seashore where Peter was. I believe we could replicate that story over and over again. Oh yes, as believers in this house today, we could say, I have found the Lord. But we found him because first he found us. We loved him because he first loved us. We pursue him now because he first pursued us. John 21, 4 and 5. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Sometimes in our lives, before we knew Christ, He was working to bring us to Himself, and we didn't even realize it sometimes. He was working in our lives and in our circumstances to point us in His direction, and we were not even aware that He was setting us up to bring Him to Himself in His grace and in His mercy. I like this part. Then Jesus said, 
Children, (laughs) have you any food? I don't know, maybe it's because I just like food. He said, children, have you any food? Really, when you look at the translation of that, and you really take it back, and people much smarter and theologians that have translated that back from the original, he was really saying this, you don't have any food, do you? You haven't caught anything, have you? He's looking at men who had been toiling and fishing all night long and nothing for their efforts. Nothing, nothing. And Jesus knew that because he knows that apart from himself, we can really have nothing. And he looked at them and he really said that day, you don't have any food, do you? I don't think he said it sarcastically. When I first saw that translation, that's kind of the tone that I heard in my mind. You didn't catch anything, did you? I don't think that's how he said it. I think he said it with compassion. I think he said it with love. I think he said it the way that he would say it to you and to me when we try to do things in our own strength. He would say it didn't work, did it? You don't have any food, do you? He realized that without him, they were nothing. And we are nothing without him. And he said, you, you, you've come up empty. You've come short. But here I am. I have found you. You may look your worst. Peter was undressed. They had been up all night long. It's amazing to me how that Jesus Christ will show up in a person's life at their lowest point. At their lowest point, maybe they are scraping the bottom and, and, it, and they look awful, they feel awful, they've done awful, everything is just awful. But Jesus has a way of showing up in a person's life unexpectedly. And that's what he did for Peter and these other disciples as he was standing on the shore that day. They found the Lord because the Lord found them. They found the Lord because the Lord found Let's look at the next point. It's about failure. Go to that next slide. I didn't tell them that either. Two strikes for me today. I got real zealous early in the week and I thought I'd get into all that other slide there and we'll save that for later. I had to, last night I had to pare it down. Failure isn't final. They had failed the Lord. They had failed that night. They were failing in life. They were. Can you imagine how Peter must have felt? Have you ever felt that way? Sometimes we might even feel that way as a Christian, as a believer. Sometimes we fall down, we blow it, we say something that we shouldn't have said. Sometimes it's coming out of our mouth. And as soon as it's coming out of our mouths, we're thinking, oh, I wish I were not saying that. Sometimes we fail the Lord. Sometimes we sin against the Lord. But with Christ, failure is never final. Failure is never the final word. They came up to the shore that day and Jesus said, come, come and eat. But he also told them to bring him the fish that they had just caught. I thought that was pretty interesting too. They had gone all night not catching anything. He tells them, cast your net over on the right side of the boat. 
Now, we all know as expert fishermen, that's not going to make really any difference. But Christ made all the difference. They threw it on the right side of the boat, caught 158 fish, and bring them to the shore. And Jesus is saying, come, he's got bread, he's got fish prepared. But he said, give me the fish that you just caught. They were fish that they had caught because he had helped them catch the fish. Now he's saying, give it to me And I believe that there's a message there that say whatever in our lives that we think that we have or what he has helped us to do or accomplish, give it back to him. And he can take that and make it into what it should be. I don't know if he took, the Bible doesn't give us all the details. I mean, we know that the food had to be prepared enough to eat it, right? I don't know if he took the fish that they had managed to catch By his blessing. I don't know if he took them and filleted them. And cleaned them. And did all the things that that you would do before you would cook the fish. I would imagine that maybe he did. And I imagine that as Jesus is such a master teacher. He's also a master illustrator. And as they saw him that day. Taking their limited efforts. And cleaning it up. And preparing it and cooking it and making it into something worthwhile. Maybe, just maybe, that was a picture of showing them, I want to take you. I want to clean you up. I want to set you apart. And I want to make you worthwhile. And your failure isn't final. Maybe that was another picture. He was such a teacher. He was such an illustrator. But I like this other part, too. He gave them the fish. But look at that that first part where it said, and he took the bread. He took the bread. That really spoke to me this week as I've marinated on this sermon in my mind, as I have thought this sermon through and, and studied and thought, you know, something special always happened every time Jesus took bread in his hands. There there is such a a powerful thing with Jesus holding bread in his hands. When Jesus took bread one time from a little lad, he fed 5,000 people because of the bread in his hands. When Jesus in the upper room that night of Passover before his passion of, of, of crucifixion and all those things, when he took the bread and broke it, And he gave it to them and he said to them, this is symbolic of my body which will be broken for you. They had seen all of that and something must have burned within them. Something must have started stirring in them when they saw Christ on the shore. Not only telling them to come to him but also taking the bread and begin to break the bread. Something would have had to have happened in their minds and in their emotions at that time. Because every time Jesus took up the bread, something special happened. It was another picture. It was another illustration right before their eyes. But at this point in time, Christ had already died on the cross. At this point in time, he already had his body broken and bruised. And now they were seeing the after effects of the risen Christ, the finality of the work of salvation. And they saw him again as he broke the bread. Gave it to them. They had to have thought about his body at that point. They had to have thought about, wait a minute, 
he really did die like he told us he would at the Passover when he broke the bread. Now he's breaking it again. And I see the cross and I see the blood and I see the work that he did on the cross. And maybe, just maybe, there is hope for me yet. Because failure is not final. Failure is not final when it comes to Christ. He took what they had. And made something out of it. But more importantly he took of himself. And broke the bread of what he has done for them. And what he has done for you and me. And in that moment. I think they started to realize. That their sins really could be forgiven. And the condemnation. That they felt. Didn't have to stay there. Forever. Condemnation is an ugly thing. You know, God, through the Holy Spirit, will convict us of our sin in order that we will ask Him to forgive us of our sin so we can be restored and move on. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, that's the work of God. But there's a whole different, if I can say it this way, there's a whole different ball of wax when it comes to condemnation. Condemnation is a work of Satan. Condemnation is when the enemy comes with his guilt and his shame and it puts it up on us and tries to remind us of our past, to remind us of our failures, to remind us of our shame and of our guilt when we have already allowed Christ to deal with that. And somehow in that moment, I believe these old boys, Peter and and Thomas and the others, I believe somehow they begin to realize, I don't have to live under this condemnation anymore. I can live under grace. And if you're sitting here this morning, if you're watching this online this morning, or watching on replay or whatever, you don't have to live under condemnation he who the son sets free is free indeed our sins can be forgiven our sins can be washed away our sins can be cast into the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered against us again and if somebody or something seems to be bringing those back up to you it's not God it is of the devil Guilt and shame. We don't have to live under those things anymore. We can live under the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And what a relief it must have been that day for Peter after he knew he had blown it. After he cursed. After he denied Christ over and over again. Oh what shame and guilt he must have felt. Oh what heart break he must have felt as he sat there fishing all night that guilt and that shame, but now he has taken a seat with the risen Christ who has said, give it all to me. And in fact, let me break my bread and give it to you. And let me take all your sin away. Let me take all your shame away. And I want to use you again. I want to tell every single one of us, we have all fallen down. And as Christians... I hate to bust your bubble and take the helium out of the balloon this morning, but we'll probably all fall down again. 
But it's the grace of God that will pick us back up. It's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ who will pick us back up, forgive us of our sins, and say, I have work for you to do. I have meaning in your life. I can use you again. And that was his message to Peter. That was the beginning of the transformation in Peter's life. And then we go on to see all the great things that God did in and through the life of Peter. So what do we do? We contact Christ. Contact Christ. Get a hold of Christ. If I could keep, keep with the, the theme of sitting down for breakfast, why don't I say it this way? Make a reservation with Christ. Is that all right? I like it when my wife tells me she has made some reservations. That's always music to my ears. Because I know where we're going. I know what kind of food it is. And I know it's one of my favorites. Can I tell you this morning, he's already made the reservation, really. And he's sitting and waiting for us to sit down and talk it over with him. I thought about that old song last night, page 92 in the red hymnal. When I was growing up, we'd always say, get out the red hymnal. I don't know why we said red, because that was the only hymnal we had. But we'd say red, just in case anybody got confused. <laughs> Talk about that old song last night. Red hymnal, page 92, key of B-flat. Just a little talk with Jesus. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. I do have to disagree with the songwriter there. It wasn't a little light from heaven. It was a lot of light from heaven. He made my, he ba what did he, he made my heart in love and wrote my name above. Just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Just a little talk with Jesus. That's amazing to me, but he has paid such a great price. That if we just sit down and take him up on his reservation, have a seat, have a contact with him, and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Transform my life. A lifetime of sin and shame in a moment, just a moment, can be changed, forgiven, and turned around. And that's why we're here this morning, isn't it? That's why every single one of us are here this morning. That's why the doors are open this morning. I want to read you a passage in closing. We're going to take communion together and worship the Lord that way. But Romans 10, 8 through 11, when I say contact Jesus. Beautiful passage. Maybe you want to read Romans 10 this week. It would be a great follow-up. What does it say? The word is near you. <laughs> I love that. The word is near you. Can you imagine when they were sitting out in that boat and the first one that spotted Jesus on the shore? I know they didn't know it was him at first, but he was near to them. Somebody said, somebody is right there. Somebody is right there. He's close. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in your heart that he has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Would you stand with me this morning? What a powerful scripture. I ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Would you bow your head, every head bowed, every eye closed? This altar is open as we have this invitation right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me invite you to come and we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. We can lead you in the sinner's prayer. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? He is near you. He is right there. He has already found you. All you have to do is find him. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. God, I thank you this morning. God, I, I just in the moment right here cannot get over that passage of scripture. I just can't get over it. I just can't get over it, God. But you said, if I believe in my heart, you said if I confess with my mouth, you would save my soul. You would forgive my sins. You would change my life. Oh, God, I bless you this morning. I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord. I, I've known the feelings of guilt. I've known the feelings of shame. I've been disappointed with myself. I've been, I've been beaten down with, with choices and decisions I've made. But I thank you this morning, Lord, that I can stand here without guilt, without shame. I can stand here forgiven and changed and transformed by your mercy and by your grace today. And I bless you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you. Thank you, Lord. This morning, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit right now would honor His Word, Your Word, that Your Word would not return void today, that this message that I know without a shadow of a doubt that You put on my heart Monday and I couldn't get away from it, that it would find a lodging place by the power of that Word, Your Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that each one in this room today would respond accordingly to your word and to your spirit. And we would be blessed. We would be encouraged. We would be transformed. Our sins be forgiven. Walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.